Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 95 of the Mainland Podcast. I am Michael Citro, the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com over at SB Nation. Joining me, as always, David Rowe. Dave, how are we this week? Um, a little wet. It's been raining a lot in Florida. It sure has. I had a, a, I had a two-hour commute home today in uh, a drive that would normally take me uh, less than a half an hour. Oof. So there was a, a lot of water on uh, the 528, and uh, it was causing a pretty nasty delay, and uh, it was it was just bad. It was just I all can, kinds of bad. I can get to Jacksonville on that time. <laughs> it was it was not good. Yes, uh, I can also usually get to Jacksonville in that amount of time, uh, but no, uh, I could not make it home from the Universal area in that amount of time today. So uh, it doesn't help that it's rush hour on I-4 and the 528, but then you throw the storm on top of it and make a couple accidents here and there, and it's a parking lot. It's just a glorified parking lot, and it's no fun. But uh, it, that part's over. I'm happy to be home, happy to be talking to you, happy to be doing episode number 95 of the podcast. Uh, even though we had no Orlando City game this past weekend to discuss. Uh, but we have plenty of other things to discuss. Uh, we always do. We always do. And I think that we should probably start with none, none, none other but the, the I-4 Derby, maybe. We, maybe we should start there. Uh, the, um, the hated Tampa Bay Rowdies came into town, uh, their first trip to Orlando city stadium, and, uh, they took a one nil lead early kind of against the run of play. And, uh, then they kind of just went into a shell and would not let the young lions have really any offensive purchase in the game. And, uh, the game wore on and on and on. And you didn't think, uh, anything was really happening for Orlando city B. And then, uh, there were seven minutes of stoppage time, <laughs> and in the sixth one of those, Orlando City B got a penalty, and uh, the uh, you know a, a well-drawn penalty by Richie Larea, and uh, Danny Deacon stepped up and scored his first professional goal, and uh, the the draft pick here for Orlando City, the last uh, the last uh, MLS Super Draft, uh, gets uh, OCB a draw. Uh, late and uh, that game ended up 1-1. What are your thoughts on that game overall? Okay, overall, um, you're right. So th- they get that uh, that goal in 21st minute. Um, and honestly, uh, the the goal from Patterson, it was a uh, you know if you're going to be totally objective, it was a beautiful shot into the upper right corner. I mean, it, 
Edwards is a good keeper, but and he stretched for it, but it it was going in. I don't um, think so. I, I don't. You don't I, think so? I don't when think. I, look at it, I don't think that Earl Edwards Jr. will be very happy with the way he played that shot because I think. Okay, he could have come out and got I, big. I think yes. he was. I think it was within his reach, and he just didn't react quickly enough. I don't think. Uh, I think maybe he didn't. Uh, was caught a little bit unexpected. Uh, maybe didn't think Patterson would go high. I don't know, but he looked like he just reacted a split second too late on that and uh, was unable to, uh, to do anything. With the shot. Uh, I know it was well struck. Uh, I will me... definitely say, I would definitely agree that it was well struck, but I don't think it was an unstoppable shot by any means. Okay. Let me rephrase uh, from where Edwards was. Uh, and like you said, you know, he may not have reacted right. Then once that ball was hit, it was going in. Um, and it was a well-placed shot. So, uh, you know, give it to Patterson for, you know, making that, um, how many times have we, you know, given up? It's funny, uh, all the Orlando city teams, it's, it's, we, we give up a point at the end or, uh, you know, we we draw one point back at the end. Um, we've seen it so many times, and it was. I'm just glad that this time it was um, OCB getting that penalty in the like 96 minute, and Deacon and slotting at home. Uh, you know, he goes right, the keeper guesses wrong, and uh, OCB walks out of there with the point. Um, you know, I, I think overall uh, OCB played pretty good. Like you said, the Rowdies uh, after they got that goal, they you know. They were very content with a one-nil uh, win, and and they played like it. Um, so, uh, you know, t- for luck to go our way that way, uh, it's one of those. It, you always, as a homer, you always feel well. It's about time we got one of those. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, of course, the record for the the derby is still you know way on our favor. Granted, that was mostly a senior team, um, but. Now they now the OCB has got a uh, has got a draw out of it and, and and honestly there was no reason they couldn't have gotten a win. Yeah, it was a it was a good game. I thought that Orlando City B played for the most part pretty well. I thought that they, uh, I thought Haji Berry kind of struggled while he was in there. Um, uh, you know, as the the lone striker, I think he had a lot of bad touches and some giveaways on the night. But I th- I thought Larea played mostly pretty well. Uh, Deacon really set up the the move by Larea that drew the penalty. So it was good to see Deacon get. Uh, get to take the penalty kick. Um, yep. pa- Martin Patterson, former Orlando City player, scoring the goal and then celebrating wildly in the corner uh, to rub it in a little bit. I thought that was uh, interesting. And, you know, a lot of people don't uh, necessarily celebrate against their old team quite so much, but, uh, you know, he, he left on, on not the best terms, but that, of course, was his own doing. It wasn't anything that the club did to him. Uh, basically, right. you, if you miss your flight back home... You missed the team flight. I mean, you can't really be upset if you're not around much longer. I mean, that's that's just uh, a given. Uh, but, you know, like I said on Twitter, it, it's nice to see Martin Patterson prove the doubters wrong. Uh, he actually can play in the USL. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he, he can, and he, he proved it at that time. And, uh, you know, uh, while you and I might not have, uh, have done what he did as far as the celebration, maybe uh, show a little bit more restraint. I won't even use a worse word than that. Just, you know, a little more uh, um, professionalism. But, uh, you know, hey, um, if it's because he's passionate, good for him. If it's because he's pissed off, well, then, yeah, I, I, I think, think it probably had a lot there. to do with the with the derby itself. That game seemed very 
uh, emotional right from the get-go. There were some hard fouls. There was a lot of energy yes. early in that game. Uh, I really thought that OCB started very brightly and um, had most of the possession. And then, of course, um, you know, Tampa on the on the you know quick attack scored and kind of turned the game around a bit from that point on. It was OCB trying to break down. Uh, you know, 10, 11 men behind the ball. And uh, I think right. I think teams have seen that they can frustrate OCB by putting a lot of numbers behind the ball. Um, there really is a, especially with Pierre De Silva out, there's a lack of, of creativity and, and sure. sort of attacking, um, you know, menace on the team at times. And, you know, because you got some young guys like Albert Dequa and then Haji Berry still kind of learning the position. Um, you know, he kind of got by in college by outrunning everybody and he can't really do that you know, at the professional level, he's got to learn to, to, you know, to make runs and make good touches more importantly when he does make those runs because he got some balls in good spots and, and just didn't, you know, have the touch to, to bring it in or, you know, he would let it get too far away from him. And he, you know, the defense collapsed immediately and took the ball away from him pretty easily. So uh, I thought that OCB played pretty well for the most part. They just couldn't seem to find the final way through. I, I mean, Lewis Neal being Lewis Neal should have, <laughs> should have, given the team the early lead, but he missed the net from the top of the six yard box, uh, which right. is something that we've seen from Lewis from time to time, um, <laughs> especially his, uh, his last year of MLS play. Um, but at the end, I guess uh, a draw was probably fairly deserved because I don't think that OCB really menaced uh, their goalkeeper all that much. And, and uh, you know, the, the couple of opportunities they have, they should have done better with. And, and of course, uh, getting the penalty, though, I, I do think they were deserving of a point on the night. Yes, absolutely. And and when I said that they, you know, could have won, I didn't say they should have right. won, um, you know, but they absolutely could have won. Um, one interesting thing uh, that, that I thought of was that um, the starting 11, other than, of course, since Ramos was out, um, uh, Hayden came in, but... Uh, they were. It was actually the same starting eleven. So I mean, how how nice is that for for Ant to you know be able to stick a, the same squad out there you know week in and week out for at least that time. Hey, you don't get to do um, it very often. In, in right, in, yeah. On I mean, a for him, he, had, he had to be like right. He had to be like, wow, this is great. And uh, but you're right. Uh, you know when they when they when the match started, I mean, everybody on the field was was pumped up for this one, which is how it's supposed to be for a derby. I mean, you know that's. Uh, that's the, the entirety of what a Derby is, 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 you know, the fans being pumped up, the players being pumped up and, and everybody going at it, uh, you know, 110%. So, um, I thought it was a great game and I'm glad that they were able to, to get that point, especially on a, uh, a 96 minute goal. So, uh, uh, I'll, I'll take it all day long. And interestingly enough, no Luke Bowden in the return, in his homecoming return, uh, he was not in the lineup. Uh, so we didn't get to see that. Uh, matchup. It would have been interesting to see uh, Bods going up against Lewis Neal as, as good of friends as those two are. So uh, unfortunately that didn't get to happen, but um, uh, we'll take the point. We'll move on. And uh, the young lions actually have a little bit of a, a break. They're not playing this weekend. They, they play at Charleston on the 29th at seven o'clock. So that's their, their next game. That's the last game of the De Silva three game suspension. Uh, so Ant Pulis will be happy to see the end of that. And, uh, yes, indeed. And, and, uh, and young Pierre is going to have the birthday the day before that game. So, um, not a very good birthday present to be suspended for your, for your game that weekend, but, uh, it is what it is. 
that penalty was not the only penalty we saw this weekend. Uh, the Orlando Pride finally got a penalty in a game and did not concede a penalty in a game in uh, what turned out to be a really fun 4-1 to win over FC Kansas City, Dave. That was uh, a, a, a real... Um, it was a really good display by Alex Morgan. Only the one goal from on the penalty, uh, but she really was dangerous and had an, a number of opportunities and, and really seems to be settling in now uh, Now that she's been in the uh, in the lineup a couple of times and is now about 90-minute uh, fresh or 90-minute fit. Well, of course, it, it goes to figure that the, uh, the Pride finally get a PK, and it's the game that they don't need it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they, without that, they still win handedly. Um, you know, it was a it was a pretty dominating win in terms of possession and shots advantage and shots on goal advantage. I mean, we can get into the stats later, but it was, um, you know, seeing Alex, like you say, settle in and, and, and other teams need to be worried about that because if Alex is back 90 minute fit and settling in with their teammates on top of. Marta and everybody else, that's that doesn't bode well for opposition. Um, you know, if that's going, if if that's happening, I, I, there's, I don't think that there's anybody they can't play with, uh, and anybody they can't beat. So, um, you know, twenty second minute, Marta put that ball in for Kennedy to head it home. You know, to get the first goal. Like I said, Morgan gets the uh, uh, the PK. Uh, that was um, that was actually off of a free kick. Um, and when Alex, you know, tried to move, she got she taken was down held inside up the, the box. box. Yep, she was. That was a good. Right. It was a good call, and uh, it was nice to see because we've seen a number of those not called when it's happened to Orlando players. I'm sure Kyle Laren, if he's listening, is nodding his head right now uh, at me saying that. <laughs> Kyle's a little bit bigger than uh, she yeah, is, so. <laughs> and he's he's also been held way more times this year than she has in the box. So uh, yeah, I'm sure he knows what I'm talking about. It was. Uh, a great bit of redemption for Tony Presley. She scores a goal after two straight games, conceding a, a penalty in the second half, uh, both times fairly late, one time very, very late in the game. Uh, and Tony scored on an absolute screamer. It was nice to see her get her first NWSL goal. Uh, and then uh, Kristen Edmonds gets the podcast bump and scores her first of the season on a great hustle play just uh took the ball right off of uh, Barnhart's uh, foot, basically, as the keeper was a little uh, lackadaisical with the ball. And, and uh, she goes in, takes it away, and scores into an empty net uh, for the final tally. And it really, even though it was a 4-1 to one game, it could have been much worse. Uh, and it also could have been tighter in some respects. Uh, Aubrey Bledsoe uh, gets an NWSL save of the week. By the way, Presley's uh, score was a goal of the was week. Was goal of the week, yeah. She, she really deserved it. That was a blast. Uh, it was an amazing goal. Um, but yeah, Bledsoe had, uh, she only had, I think, four saves in the game, but they were all really good saves. Uh, there were no right. routine balls uh, hit right at her. These were... Uh, you know, diving one-handers and such. Uh, Aubrey Bledsoe was not called upon often, but when she was, she was pretty outstanding and, uh, you know, very deserving of save of the week. And then, uh, of course, in a, a number of opportunities for the Pride to score, they, they did manage to uh, take some chances. They set a new team record with 25 shots in the game. They uh, also set a record for margin of victory. And uh, that's the most goals they've scored at home. So a, a lot of uh, club records falling for Tom Sermani's pride. He uh, 
He did some juggling with the old lineup uh, to get a little bit more offensive bite in the uh, game. He uh, started Edmonds on the bench and moved Camilla back to right back, uh, which she originally was signed as a fullback, so she can play there. Mm -hmm. He just thought he might get a little bit more attacking play from the right back by playing her there, and he was right because uh, I think she had four shots in the game. She definitely got forward, definitely was uh, involved. Uh, Marta was involved, another assist for her. Um, just a really strong game for just about everybody on the team, I think. And, uh, it was really nice to see, uh, the team come back and after getting shut out twice in a row at home, just exploding like that. Well, Sermani wanted more attack and he got it. And, uh, between having, I mean, you've got Alex, Tony, uh, and Kristen all got their first goals. So, uh, there's. You've got it's nine people that have been scoring already. You, three new ones, and then like you said, um, with Camilla, you know, being for the back and Camilla being Camilla, she's going to still work up the side um, to contribute to the uh, the offense because that's just how she plays that position. Um, so the the pressing type of of, of game uh, that they played in in that match, I think that's exactly what uh, Tom is looking for, and and. Um, like I said, that's if, if they can do that, I mean, there, if you do that, there are going to be times where you can get called on a counter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, that being said, you know, Bledsoe and goal, Bledsoe has proven herself. I mean, she is she is doing well this season. Um, um, mentioning the uh, the shots, uh, yeah, they had 25 shots. 11 were on target. Um, and then possession, they had 52.7% of the possession. Their passing accuracy was like 80%. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, just a, a standout game. I mean, there is, you know, this would be one of those, if we were picking a, a, a woman of the match, we would have, it would be really hard. Yeah. It would be incredibly hard. And, and you know, FC Kansas City's not always an easy team to break down. I think you've got Barnhart in goal. You've got uh, Becky Sauerbrunn and Yale Aver- Aver- mm-hmm. Averbutch. Uh, back there, the two uh, center backs are very, very solid. Their back line uh, has been together for a bit. They don't, you know, there's not a lot of interchanging back there uh, going on. So, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a strong back line, but it was just uh, Orlando came out very determined. They called it a must win, uh, you know, in the lead up to the game. And uh, the team definitely played like it was a must win game. Yeah. And like I say, if they if they if they take that attitude and then like I said earlier, it all coming together with Alex, you know, starting to get familiar and, and uh, there's, I'm, you know, uh, not saying that they won't lose another game, but they could, they could, they will be in every game and have the possibility of winning every game. Yes. Not saying they will, but they, there is no reason why they couldn't win every game. Theoretically. Right. Starting after the one nil loss this weekend at Chicago, because every single game against Chicago <laughs> has been a one nil loss. Uh, it just that's just the way it goes. Speaking of good. Oh, wait, wait. Now, now, hold on. So there was a time that you said that MPG would never score a goal or Orlando and that went by the wayside. So maybe this is the time where the one nil Chicago thing goes goes by the wayside. We shall see. I mean, certainly the pride having a firepower. The, the bottom line is they have to not get frustrated because Chicago's got such a good defense. Uh, they are right. so sound from the midfield back, and, and they really just look for a way to explode with Kristen Press, you know, at, at some point and get their get their goal and get out of there with a with a you know a low scoring win. Um, Chicago's a very dangerous team. I put Chicago and and certainly Chicago and North Carolina as the two best teams in the league that we've seen. Thus far this season, they've they've proven that, and uh, I think yep. they're both very very good teams. It's going to be hard to go into 
Chicago and, and come away with uh, with points. But uh, it would be nice. And the Pride have played well on the road of late. So with two two wins and a draw in their last three uh, road games, maybe just maybe this uh, fourth time against the Red Stars will be the charm. Well, and you can't tell me that you don't feel better about it after that performance. Yeah, I, I do definitely think that that you know this this Marta and, and Morgan partnership. Uh, is still not quite where it will be and where it needs to be and where Tom Sermani envisions it. He put, uh, he changed shape a little bit, put Marta in the midfield behind Morgan. He wanted those two players to be very close together in the lineup, uh, is what he said after the game. And you know, when I asked him about his his uh, his decision in, in changing um, you know personnel and, and moving some things around, uh, because they had been pretty strong with the 4-2-3-1 that they were playing and uh, I thought it was a, an interesting move to to do that and and to move Camilla back because she's been very very good this year uh, but I thought that at no point did I think FC Kansas City was going to win that game I, I just never th- saw any real danger from them even the goal was kind of a fluke because uh, the ball played over the top for Sydney LaRue hit her in the back and it kind of yep. there was this momentary pause by both Orlando center backs, but the ball just happened to fall perfectly uh, for their midfielder, who just uh, you know put it on to Megan Kelly, who never stopped running, and just because of you know the timing of it, she was in behind the defense when the ball got there. So uh, just a bit of a of a weird play that you know. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, he, that's not going to happen because, you know, the, right. the, the the pride player will get to the ball first. But there was that momentary, it's like, oh, crap, you know, Sydney's back here and it's coming and then it hits off her back. And there's you almost uh, take a breath and a sigh of relief. It's just like, oh, it didn't get out in front of her. She didn't get to run on top of it. But then, you know, the follow-up player gets to it first and, and disaster yeah. strikes. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a great performance all around. Tom Sermani was certainly pleased for the most part. He, he did feel like there was about a ten-minute – period where the team didn't play such good defense and and they were giving the ball away cheaply and and uh, Kansas City you know was getting shots on goal so uh but other than that I, I thought for the most part that's maybe the most complete game we've seen from the pride this year completely agree uh, complete is the word that uh I would use um and almost dominating if uh not for that 10 minutes it would have been dominating absolutely so uh good weekend for the orlando city teams even though the lions didn't play the young lions got a draw against their hated rivals and uh, of course the pride getting a home win in spectacular fashion and uh you know that's uh, you know what more can you ask for that was that was uh tailor-made exactly what we needed uh to uh, take our minds off the fact there was no mls play uh, what there was, Dave, was some international play in the Gold Cup, and uh, what we saw in the Gold Cup was uh, very interesting. It was a very like it was a strange week for penalties because two Orlando teams got a penalty, uh, which never happens, and uh, the United States men's national team got two in one game and missed them both. Uh, uh, it was a very odd. I mean, what can we say about the squeaky win over Martinique? And the really harder than it needed to be win over Nicaragua to win, you know, U.S. men's national team wins the group. But man, were they unconvincing. It was a com- so I went out with some uh, American outlaw friends to a, uh, uh, you know, place where we could eat and drink and watch the game. And um, g- 
granted, one of those guys had a new baby there, so we're paying attention to the baby a little bit. But that's but that's my point is that's how unconvincing they were. Is I was not drawn into the game. I mean, I'm lifting my head up, I'm watching, I'm paying attention, but even still, I'm still talking to other people, and you know, and, and it was, you know, you get the penalty kick, and you're like, all right, here we go, get the goal, and then they miss it, and then they miss <laughs> another one, and you're just like, really? Because you're because you're sitting there and you're doing the math in your head, and you're going, we need to win by three, so that we can win the group. Um, yep. And you know, the 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 one really positive for me was um, uh, the goal from Rowe. Um, now, granted, the man spells his name wrong, but still, <laughs> um, uh, you know, anytime that that. Roe is going to score. I'm I'm really happy. And, and let's be honest, it was a it was it was kind of a cheeky little goal. It was it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. We were keeping an eye on it, sort of in the press box uh, covering the Pride game, and uh, you know I I made it pretty well known to anybody who would listen that I don't have a lot of confidence in Joe Corona. So when he scored the first goal, of course, everybody had to let me have it. It was like, oh, Corona scored. So then we saw the replay of the goal, and it deflected in off the defender. And I went, well, yeah, there you go. And uh, that's that's how he's going to score, you know, for the U.S. men's national team. And then, uh, right. you know, they had already missed a penalty. And then I said, well, who's going to take this one? And they were, oh, Corona's taking it. And I said, ah, oh, yeah, okay, so 0 for 2. And just kidding. But, of course, he met, you but, know, he had his stop. Yeah, he so, missed, yeah. Uh, like, do we have yeah. to? Do we have to have Joe Corona on the team? Is what my <laughs> my thought was at that point. But you know, luckily uh, Rowe scored and a nice goal, diving header from Matt Miazga uh, to uh, yeah. to get the third goal. So uh, it, they left it late, but they got it done. They did just enough. And then uh, Bruce Arena blew up the team <laughs> and brought in a whole <laughs> bunch of other guys. Uh, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador uh, brought in two goalkeepers, sent Brad Guzan back to Atlanta, uh, which I personally thought Guzan played uh, a pretty poor game against uh, Martinique. I thought he should have scored the first goal or should should have stopped the first goal. And I thought yep. that there was a play that was ended up being offside that he came out and got completely beat on a ball in the air that ended up in the net. But again, the play was offside, so it didn't matter in the end, but that could have been a third goal. Uh, I did not think much of Guzan's uh, performance uh, in that game. And uh, now I said that. So of course he's going to stand on his head for Atlanta the next two games. Right. And, and never have I actually wanted him to play better than that just because of him now being sent back down and, and we have to deal with them, like you said, but uh, you know, look, the, the end of it is three Oh, win gets the tiebreaker, the win group B advances to the quarterfinals, uh, the bonuses, no Mexico, no Costa. So um, I'm not, have they even determined who we've, we've got next? I El can't Salvador. El Salvador, which I'll take El Salvador over Mexico or Costa Rica. So, um, you know, Excellent. That's they did what they needed to do, and then, like you said, blew up the team because okay, well, we're going to get some of these uh, more experienced guys back up here. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's one of those things. Although I will say, get, sending Dom back down, that I'm actually not sure of. Yeah, I would like to see Dom stayed with the team, but you know, he brought in Josie, so you know, why not? Uh, he he took two players away from Toronto, uh, but. Canada sent a player back to Toronto by sending Raheem Edwards back and taking Kyle Lahren from us. So Kyle uh, is now in the uh, Gold Cup uh, with Canada for as long as they stay in. So hopefully they will 
not stay in very long. Uh, and then he'll hopefully be able to come back pretty quickly. But uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, Kyle Larenless team against the, uh, the U, you know Atlanta United that at least once in the next two games uh, is not going to make things any easier against a team that scores a lot of goals. I mean, you want you want uh, Brad Guzan to have somebody more to worry about than Giles Barnes and, and Carlos Rivas. So uh, we'll see what happens because we've had a couple weeks off and you know I, I think the team's played pretty well out of the gate and maybe uh, Jason Christ has been able to get them back to basics and get them going. Um, they certainly needed the rest, and it'll be interesting to see how these two games go. Uh, we'll talk more about that in just a bit. But, yeah, El Salvador against the U.S., 9 o'clock uh, Wednesday, the day this drops. We were recording this the night before. Um, and, uh, of course, the uh, uh, you know the mainland will have all that you need, uh, you know, in the uh, in the meantime. They'll, they'll have all the coverage you need on that game, uh, both pre- and post-game. So no Laren. Uh, nobody but Kaká is on the All-Star Game roster because the rest of the team was announced. No Jonathan Spector, surprisingly. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. I'm not surprised about Kyle Laren given the DUI arrest and the fact that he's uh, struggled the last couple of months uh, after a really, really bright start to the yeah. season. But um, So that's not a surprise. A little bit surprised that we didn't see Spector or maybe Sutter uh, make the team. But... Um, you know, especially Spectre, since so many of the fan votes were for fullbacks uh, on the defensive side. So, um, you know, I think it's a good thing because it's one less uh, trip for a lion to mm-hmm. make, you know, just Kaka. But, uh, you know, it's still on, in, on some respects you get, you want you want your team's players to be recognized in that fashion, because what it basically means is that your team's doing well. So, um you know, obviously the fan vote part of it is all, you know, based on uh, popularity, but the, the picks from the coaches and that kind of thing, that's usually uh, players that have been playing well. You know, I think the, the, the one glaring one would be, uh, would be Spectre. Um, you know, but uh, like you said, okay, it, it kind of works out from us, for us from a, uh, uh, him traveling standpoint. Um, Kaka, obviously just his name is going to get him in there. Um, no surprise there. Um, with Kyle not going, yeah, I'm sure it had a little bit to do with some of the negative stuff. But, you know, the, the guys that are going are, are Josie, Dom, you know, Giovinco, uh, Nikolic, and Via. So, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like they're not also some of the top, you know, forwards in the in the MLS. So, oh, yeah. You know, and it underlies a big problem with the All-Star game in that you only get one team because you're playing, you know, some European team. So it really kind of limits how many they can take of these of these top offensive players, you know, that's we, we such really a bigger like conversation. Yeah, of, course, <laughs> of course it is. But you know, the good thing is we'll have a podcast the week of the all-star game. So we can talk about that a little more. Absolutely. But right now, uh, again, no Kyle Aaron for the Atlanta United game coming up on Friday. The first meeting ever between Orlando city and Atlanta United will take place at the purple palace. And uh, why don't we bring in our guests now and talk about that game? We'll do that right after this. Right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast uh, is host of the Mouths of the South podcast and a contributing writer to Dirty South Soccer, Eric Quintana. How are you, Eric? Well, you know what? I'd say it'd be a pleasure to join you guys, but uh, not this week or next week for that matter. 
I don't want to give you a fan. You guys know that they're actual, they're actual uh, Orlando City fans that listen to our podcast just so they can troll us on individual things that we say. I think there seems to be. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know if you guys get the same thing from Atlanta United yeah, fans, I, but I just thought that was hilarious. I was going to actually. That was going to be my first question. Was are you, <laughs> are you sure that you guys are the mouths of the South? Because I've seen other people on Twitter that might have a better claim to that name. Uh, has anybody like sued you for infringement or anything like that? No, is there is there is there something specific? You're, I'm I'm not sure what you're referring to now. No, no, no. I'm very curious. Uh, no, just general uh, things that we've seen, and usually uh, from things that Dirty South Soccer has tweeted in in, in response to those tweets. Uh, it's usually like I don't know. It's all. It seems like. This seems like one of those things where it's like there's a lot of banter, but I'm not really sure why since, you know, one of these teams <laughs> didn't exist a year ago and they've never played. And and yeah, they're in neighboring states, but so what? Let, I mean, let's like let something happen on the field kind of thing, I guess. And I, I don't know. For me personally, I still hate New York City more because uh, we have, you know, we came into the league with them and, I, and we kind of don't like them and, and we've had a lot of close games with them. So there's been stuff on the field, but... Um, yeah, to me, uh, I don't know about this Bance. I don't know if it's legit Bance. What do you think? Well, look, on our end, it's, it's you know, you're, I mean, what do you expect year one? I mean, we got to find someone to pick on, and you guys are, you know, right underneath us, so it's easy to take a crap on you guys. So, you know, it is it is what it is, I guess, at this point. <laughs> I mean, whether it's whether it's whether it's real or not, whether it's fabricated or not, it's going to be a fun rivalry throughout the rest of the, the time, you know, these teams exist, and, you know, I I imagine forever and always, you know? You know, Eric, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it <laughs> leads right into my question. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you guys play in the home of the Falcons, um, which I'm sure that's nice for you guys. And then, you know, uh, coming to a real specific soccer stadium <laughs> in the soccer capital of the South has got to be exciting for you guys, isn't it? Soccer capital of the South. I don't, here's the thing. We don't really consider Florida. No one considers Florida a part of the South, so... You guys can call yourselves that all you want, but, you know, people from the South know what where Florida really lies. Florida's Florida. It's like Texas. It's its own thing. It, you just happen to be, you know, Florida. Yeah, somebody's got to be. I don't have a problem playing in the homes of the Falcons because here's the thing. Uh, we're going to sell out that stadium just about every week, so. Yeah. It's just going to be a loud, ruckus environment for every opponent, including you guys uh, two weeks from now or whatever, a week and a half from now. You guys gonna have to file into. Yeah, it should be pretty cool. I, I'm always uh, I'm always interested to see how a new stadium is gonna work out. Um, so looking looking forward to that. It, it's interesting that MLS decided to play these two teams against each other in back to back weeks. I think that's certainly something that uh, Big Daddy Don Garber is looking for a southern rivalry. Uh, even though uh, apparently Florida is not in the South. Um, but, you know, w one of the things that I want to find out is, is who, you know, who Arthur Blanks truly bribed to get some of the players on the discovery list uh, that the, that you, Atlanta was able to sign. Because clearly someone in the league had to know about these players uh, in the year leading up to uh, the first year of Atlanta United. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean... The best answer I can give you is he bribed Tata Martino by signing him and bringing him over. I, I don't know. Honestly, it's a surprise to all of us here in Atlanta because we are shocked that not only are we getting we, – we've gotten the quality of players we've gotten and guys like Miguel Avmidon who honestly should be in Europe right now. I, I, 
how he how we landed him, I have no idea. Um, you you could say the same thing for Joseph Martinez. I don't know how he's back from or he's in the states, you know, just recently uh, having been over in Europe. Um, you know, Yamil Assad, who was a guy that uh, you know Velez in, in Argentina was like, no, let's get rid of him as quickly as possible. We don't like him at all. Um, you know, he was trying to live up to the pedigree of that. You know, his dad uh, had in that you know in Argentina, and I guess he just couldn't. I mean. The people just weren't having it here. He's he's he he's been a godsend. He's I mean I think he's the league leader in assists right now, and or if he's not the league leader, he's he's up there, and um, he's been a central cog to what has made this Atlanta United attack. You look at Tito Vijalba, who is a guy that I've kind of uh, been not overly disappointed with, but I, I think that he can give more. I think uh, time will tell how much uh, how much potential he actually has, how much talent, how much he can – because, I mean, all these guys want to go to Europe, so we're going to see uh, – what I'd like to see out of him is just a little more consistent, consistency more than anything else. Uh, but I really don't know – even him, even Tito Vijalba is, is, has been great, you know, when he's been on. Um, and I just – I can't – I mean, you look at uh, guys like uh, Gonzalez Perez – who another guy, I mean, I guess now recently we've seen a little bit of, as to why maybe he's uh, in MLS rather than, you know, still playing in, in Europe. But you look at these guys and you think, man, these are high quality. I remember coming into the season thinking, oh my gosh, how do we lose a game? Now, clearly I was wrong. That was, that was, uh, I had my expectations were way too high there. But at the same time, you look across the field with Atlanta United and there's maybe one player, maybe two, that you're like, okay, we could use a different, different, a, a real upgrade there. I, we went to this transfer window thinking, I, I don't know who you would re- replace with someone that's substantially better unless you went and signed a, a, a huge name. I don't know who you would replace because everyone has been working so well together. Everyone's been doing exactly what been, they've been asked to do and they've been doing it well. Well, talking about the, you know, the guys that you had come in, obviously the timing for, for us was bad. The timing was good for you with uh, Guzan. Uh, getting sent down from the, the national team, um, how how important do you think that is for the upcoming matches? That that's going to be interesting because he's going to get the start um, on Friday, and um, one of the big things that you're asked to do in Tata Martino's system is uh, to play with your ball at the feet. I mean, you saw uh, Can do that consistently, and he got better over time. Um, that he he got much better at distributing the ball at his feet, at playing with the, with the ball at his feet. Um, and Guzan, I just don't know if he's been asked to do that. So it's been, it's going to be weird, not weird, but it's going to be different to see him one be forced to do that in this system and how well is he going to do that is going to be a key. You know, I, I think that he's going to, there's going to be a little bit of adjustment period and and learning how to play with the back line. Um, I know that Mike, he's, he's had some experience with Michael Parkhurst and, um, and Greg Garza, but at the same time, you know, Gonzalez Perez is a brand new center back he's never played with. Um, whoever ends up being at right back is uh, because I don't. I, we're, I'm still kind of up in the air about whether it's going to be Tyrone Mears or Antoine Walks. Um, you know, they're going to be there's those going to be two players that he's he's going to have to get used to playing with. But uh, overall, I don't think it's going to be. You may see one or two moments where it's like, eh, you know, that's obviously a lack of communication. But I think overall, he's 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 a better shot stopper. He's a better shot blocker than than Can is, I think. And he, I think, one of the big things about Can is his that that Atlanta United fans have kind of harped on is his positioning when it comes to setting him setting himself up to to you know make any kind of save. 
Um, Guzan at least has that, you know, national team experience. He has that European experience for, you know, for what it's worth. Um, and he, I mean, he, he's, he was going to, there was never a discussion in my opinion as to whether if, if he was going to start considering how well can was playing, he was always going to start over can. It was just going to be a matter of how long does Tata Martino give him to, to kind of integrate in the system and, you know, can going down with an injury, that's going to make that decision a little easier come Friday. And he's, I think it's already been announced that, uh, that Guzan's going to start Friday with, which should be fun, should be interesting, um, and hopefully a switch like that. You know, they've had two weeks to prepare, so I, I can't imagine, uh, even though Guzan's been out with the U.S. men's national team, I can't imagine that, uh, you know, they're not going to be prepared for, for this kind of a switch. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Now, Eric, the the times that I've seen Atlanta, it looks like they, they can be obviously very explosive in the attack at times, and other times uh, it looks like they can be frustrated. What, what have teams done that, you know, that has been successful against Atlanta United in, in slowing that attack down this year? If you can play well, if you can take care of the ball and play, uh, you know, kind of a defensive-minded game, um, you're you're kind of one step ahead of Atlanta United. I think that's where they have, they've had the most trouble. Look at the two games they lost against D.C. United, a very defensive-minded team, and um, they struggled. Um, you could say the same thing about uh, when they played Montreal, uh, and I'm trying to think of another occasion where that might have. I mean, NYC. No, well, not NYCFC, not the first time. But it, the the point is, if you can take care of the ball, if you can, uh, if you can avoid turning it over in the midfield in your defensive third, you're you're solid. Because um, while Lane United can possess, their objective is to go to goal as quickly as possible. They're not looking to, you know, they do build out the back. They do want to maintain possession, but that's only because they're trying to draw you out so that they can play that direct ball over the top or so that they can, you know, find Miguel Almiron in the middle and, and have him do wondrous things to get the ball into the final third. Um, but if you can take care of the ball, if you can, if you can um, create qual- qual- create quality opportunities, set pieces are a nightmare for Atlanta United right now, or at least they were before the break. I'm, I can't imagine things have changed. Um, and on the opposite end, corners <laughs> or any kind of set piece for us really uh, on the attacking end is going to be is 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 kind of a struggle too because we can't seem to figure out whether we just want to play it short and do something real quick or we we tend to just struggle with with set pieces in general um as a first year club but i mean that's it if you can just control the ball take care of it not turn it over i mean you're in the game i, I think this game's honestly i think this game on friday is going to be you know who can outscore the other um, and it'll be up to it'll be up to the, uh, Atlanta United, honestly. I think to to put a foot down and say no, Orlando, you can't score anymore. But I think it's going to be like a four three type of affair. Well, now it's interesting that you say that because, of course, you know I mentioned that you guys got Guzan back, and of course we lose Laren to uh, the Canadian national team. Um, who is who on Orlando are, are you thinking that that offense is going to come from? Uh yeah, because I mean, we honestly don't know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> we're, we, we, we're, we're asking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I look at I look at some of the speed you guys do have. I mean, Carlos Rivas is a speedster, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, speed at times isn't the fastest of guys. Ours is not really high. He can, you know, he can he can track back with the best of them. Um, but it's it's in the middle where I, I think against some speed, Atlanta United will struggle. It, at the same time, you know, if you can get some bodies on set pieces in, in the box, you know, corners, any kind of free kick, 
you know, you, you, you've got a good chance. I mean, look at the way that, uh, I don't know that I'm forgetting the name. I forget what, I think it was Vancouver that scored three goals off set pieces. And it, I mean, that's all it was. It was them just overpowering us in the box. And that's simple for a team to do if they can take advantage of it. All right, Eric, uh, what do you see as the key matchup in this game? And uh, what kind of a, a final score do you think we'll see? Um, I think that if, if uh, this this attack seems to pre- be predicated on how well uh, Almiron does in a given game. If he's defended well, if he's typically got two guys on him, or if he's being marked really, really well by, by you know uh, someone individually, if you can take him out of the game, um, you've created some serious problems for uh, Almiron, or for Atlanta United. It's not that they can't win the game with, with uh, without him. But it just makes it much more difficult. Um, I think that if you can take him away, you're, you're, you're good. You, you create problems in the midfield. You create, uh, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot more over the top balls. Which, sure, with Martinez back and everything, he, he's capable to get to him. But he, I think, is very much more comfortable uh, making good runs to on through balls and and you know. Pretty much getting as close to goal as possible and just rocketing it in uh, as hard as he can. Um, but yeah, the combination between Almiron and Martinez, uh, and and for that matter, the combination between Almiron, uh, Yamil Assad, Martinez, and, and Tito, if they can get going, you know, the, the thing about Atlanta United is that they're gonna over, they're gonna they're gonna try to put a lot of numbers forward. Obviously, that both their fullbacks could, like like I said, suicidally high. And they're very much involved in the attack. Um, I think the way that Orlando could win this game is any kind of if they can if they can take advantage of counter counterattacking opportunities and set pieces, um, you know they'd be golden. But at the same time, I think that Atlanta United is going to score a lot of goals. I think I honestly think it's going to be something like four three. It's going to be something relatively close here's the thing i mean you know as well as i do that when you think something is going to go a certain way mls has a way of giving the middle finger and just punching right in the face so (laughs) um as much as i want to say that this could be a 4-3 game it could be a one nothing game Uh, i I just think there's going to be a lot of goals because atlanta united's defense coming off of uh or atlanta united coming off of the break um both teams coming off the break are going to be the sharpest i would imagine and it'll take a maybe if you could score first, if Orlando City can score, uh, can score first, that'd be a big help. Um, don't let Atlanta United score first because that that uh, that's just going to amp them. That's going to take it to a new level for them, because I think with the billboard and from what I understand, that was uh, a, a kind of a, a club decision. That's not like I've heard rumors that MLS put it up there. From what I understand, that was that was a, that was a club decision. Uh, to do something like that. And uh, I just think that they know what this game means to the Atlanta United fans. And and for that matter, the Atlanta, they understand that at least at this, at, at, at the, at the young age of both these clubs, specifically Atlanta United, they know that uh, the fans really want to see the win. Well, much like uh, me in high school with the ladies, uh, it just seems like uh, you're just trying too hard. <laughs> but uh but you know well it's gonna be fun i think the atmosphere for these two games is gonna be incredible and uh, i'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing what happens and, and maybe we can even uh revisit with you next week and and uh you know in between the two games most definitely do you guys uh have any idea because i heard orlando city fans travel well i was just curious how many fans uh, might be going to uh the game in atlanta 
I, I think there's going to be a really good showing. We've heard a lot of people talking about going to this game since even before the season started. So uh, I would expect, you know, a pretty good amount of, of fans, a, a busload or two at least uh, coming up and then probably some some, you know, individuals buying tickets uh, without being in part of the big group. So uh, it'll be fun to, to see all the stuff going on in the stands <laughs> that game, um, because uh, I don't think that either one of these fan bases has been, um, uh, well, let's just say model citizens uh, so far. <laughs> I, I will say that I'm very excited, win or lose, honestly, because I enjoy a good laugh and I can I can put <laughs> sports in perspective a little bit. I am uh, I'm very excited to see, win or lose, what happens to that billboard uh, in terms of creative graffiti or, um, you know, unique artwork. <laughs> well, if it wasn't pouring down rain, it would probably already be on fire. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, probably. I, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> All right. Eric Quintana, the uh, host of the Mouths of the South podcast and a contributing writer to Dirty South Soccer on SB Nation. Thanks so much for being with us. And, uh... We will uh, talk to you again soon. Sounds good, man. We'll do it again. All right. We are winding down our uh, 95th episode of the Mainland Podcast. Again, thanks to Eric Quintana of Dirty South Soccer and the Mouths of the South Podcast for being with us. Uh, Good guy. Like Eric, he's been on the show before and – Looking forward to uh, these next two games. Like I said, it's going to be really, really uh, interesting um, just to see the atmosphere in these two stadiums uh, the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's the thing I didn't ask him is, you know, if they and the reason I didn't ask him is because it became pretty apparent uh, is, do you guys really think this is a rivalry? Well, after listening to the interview, I think it's uh, pretty clear that they do, Um, uh, you know, as I'd like as much as we would like uh, NYCFC to be a rivalry. They don't feel the same. And I'm not saying that's going to change our minds, but these next two games could absolutely make me a hater. Uh, I actually already have a, a good friend in the American Outlaws in Tallahassee that is an Atlanta United FC fan. And he's already started talking smack when we were watching the, the men's national team. So uh, I'm getting it a little bit close to home. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of up and ready for these. All right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I am. I kind of see I see what you're saying because I kind of feel the same. I feel like I'm I know where New York City fans are coming from in, in that the. The one team hates the other team more than that team hates the other team back. I, I think right. that Orlando City, you know, as we came into the league and, of course, that very uh, contentious first game with uh, Aurelian Collin getting sent off and New York City taking the lead and uh, and then Orlando's dramatic comeback to tie that game late, uh, you know, and then so many close games since then. And incidents uh, from the fans, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the the seat getting stolen from the new stadium, all of that stuff goes into exactly. it. But I, I think there's definitely more hate coming from Orlando toward New York City than the other way around because they've got, you know, a lot of closer teams in proximity that they, uh, you know, have prioritized up the ladder. You know, the, the New York Derby, you know, the, the Hudson River Derby, whatever they're calling that stupid rivalry between the two New York teams that everyone hates. Um you know, that's that's the thing that they're most concerned with. So I kind of get it now that that, you know, Atlanta fans have sort of reacted the way they have. And I've just kind of gone, 
that's kind of adorable that you're trying so hard. <laughs> and, and then I, you know, and then I see, okay, well, that's probably how New York City fans probably felt about us. But uh, exactly. you know, we had to hate somebody right out of the box, and there really wasn't anybody else to hate. Although I thought that first year there was a pretty good hatred going for Columbus. Uh, but uh, it kind of read my mind. It, it kind of just petered out after that first year, though, especially after Kai Kamara got traded. But yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot and of that's bad exactly blood. why. Yeah, but that's exactly why it's because Kamara left. And then it was because he was such a tool on the field. And and after he left, it was kind of like, Meh, all, right, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we have uh, a few um, questions for Ask uh, Ask the Mainland podcast. And uh, so I'm going to have to find those because my uh, my mentions blew up uh, with that billboard. Uh, <laughs> this, well, uh, this uh, I can uh, get us started if you like. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I've got them now. But uh, yeah, go ahead. And uh, if you got some on your end, uh, please do uh, ask those. But first, we'll tell people that they can ask us anything. Doesn't have to be about soccer, but it can be. Uh, it can be about OCB. could be about uh, the pride. could be about. Orlando City could be about European soccer, international soccer, anything. If you want to know anything, just ask us uh, on Twitter at the mainland, and uh, it's hashtag AskTMLPC, or you can email us, uh, and you can email to uh, the mainland at gmail.com and just let us know your question that way. So, uh, what do you say, Dave? What uh, question do you have? All right, so uh, uh, Mark Johnson uh, says that uh, now that we have the – and I'm doing this one first because it, it kind of goes to what we were just talking about. Now that we have the geographical rival in Atlanta, do you think MLS will expand to Miami or another Florida co- location so that we will have an in-state rival? Uh, I think that I, – I wasn't really buying into the Beckham thing in Miami, but it seems like now that – that Lewicki's on board. I think that things seem a lot more stable and that that could actually happen. So it, w- it would be a lot of fun to have multiple teams down here the way that, uh, you know, that Cascadia has Vancouver and Portland and Seattle. It would be nice to have that kind of thing on this uh, corner of the continent. I agree. And, you know, what's funny is since we're, we were just talking about this, Atlanta will be a bigger rival for me, given where I am, because I'm five hours away from there and I'm nine hours away from Miami. So and I well, I say that, but as an FSU fan, I already hate Miami. So, I, all right, I'm on board. I'm, I'm on board against Miami. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, go what, ahead. What else you got? You got another question other than Mark? Uh, yeah. So um, uh, uh, at Chris. Are uh, what effect will a video assistant uh, referee have on MLS? Uh, it will ruin a game at some point that you that you uh, that, that in a way that rips your freaking heart out. Uh, but it will also do a lot of good things. I think that by and large it'll do good things, uh, but there will still be very odd games where they get ruined because. Uh, video evidence shows one thing and the ref still decided to, to go the other way because we've seen it in the NFL and we've seen it in college football. So, you know, it's coming. That's exactly what I was thinking is you know, all you have to do is look to see where they've already done instant replay to see what it's done there. And it'll be the same with uh, the VAR. So um, it's going to, you're going to have those games where it, it saves your butt and you're going to have those games where it breaks your heart. All right. Any other questions uh, that came your way? One more from uh, at Dean S. Uh, do the Pride have a shot to make it into the playoffs? Absolutely. The Pride has a, as, is, as we've said many times on this show, the 
the Pride are set up well for the second half of the season. A lot of home games, uh, so a lot less travel. They've played a lot of their tougher road games already. They're about to get another one out of the way with Chicago this weekend. Um, so I, I think that the schedule sets up nicely uh, as long as Alex stays uh, healthy and Marta stays healthy and, and the, you know, the team continues to gel. Uh, I think that there's, uh, you know, and they've also been doing all of this without Ashlyn Harris. Uh, I think it's set up very, very nicely for a good run in the second half. And of course, uh, being where they've been in the standings right now, they're only uh, coming into this weekend, three points out of a playoff spot. So absolutely, uh, they can make the playoffs. Uh, I'll, I'll take it one further. I think the the way that they're playing, and I think that the way they're going to come together, I, I I actually believe they will make the playoffs. Um, I think that Tom Sermani has them believing. I think that they're starting to, um, uh, with with Alex back. Uh, not that they weren't gelling before, but they were all the breaks were happening against them, and part of that was you know the schedule and and you know this and that. And I think that. Like you said, it, it's it's all coming together, not just the scheduling, um, but also the entire team being there. And I, I think it's going to uh, I think like it, like I said, not too long ago, there's no reason why they couldn't, you know, theoretically win or, or be in every single game. And if that's the case, then I, I think they do make the playoffs. Outstanding. We can't wait to see how that plays out the rest of the year. Thank you for your questions, uh, folks. Any more from your end, Dave? Nothing on this one. What do you got? All right. So uh, when I put out this question uh, yesterday, our friends at Dirty South Soccer would like to know, is your refrigerator running? That's their question. Uh, I did say you could ask us anything. And uh, yes, our refrigerator is running because this is Florida. It's not Georgia. We actually do have electricity. Uh, This is not some backwoods, uh, you know, town in, in the deep south as, as uh, our friend Eric Quintana already has pointed out, this is not the South. So, uh, yes, our refrigerator is running because we have power. I, I will have to say that uh, mine is also running, even <laughs> though I am I am closer to the Deep South than you are. But I'm still uh, within the borders of Florida, and, and thus I'm going to completely agree with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our, our friend Matt Montgomery from uh, – <laughs> from the RSL soapbox pointed out that dirty South soccer did not play by the rules and uh, include the hashtag. So thank you, Matt, for pointing that out. Uh, reading comprehension, you know? Um, all right. Uh, so Adam Milsom on, uh, on Twitter uh, at key 1220 would like to know how screwed are we? Because Laren is playing in the gold cup. Dave, how screwed are we? <laughs> We're a lot more screwed than we would be if, uh, if he was here. So, um, you know, I, we're going to get into this in a minute, so I don't want to give too much away. Um, it, it, it's going to it, – well, see, I'd give away my key matchup. So uh, we're fairly screwed, but not completely screwed. How about that? All right. I'm going to say that uh, Orlando City is no worse off than it has been for the last five day, games in which uh, Kyle Aaron was either suspended or did not score anyway. So uh, I would say uh, they may not be all that screwed. Uh, the bigger problem is probably getting Kyle back into form. Uh, we'll see if Canada can do that. Maybe this will end up being a good thing for That would be uh, nice. So here's the best scenario. He goes up there, uh, scores a hat trick, but Canada loses 4-3, gets knocked out, and he comes right back <laughs> and uh, starts scoring like crazy for us. 
that's, that sounds like the perfect plan. Uh, Let's make that that's happen. That's the best case scenario. I'm not saying that that's what will happen because uh, this is Orlando City. When was the last time a best case scenario actually came to pass? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what else we got? Uh, at KMAD12 uh, says, how long do you retain discovery rights to a player in MLS? Well, discovery rights is an MLS rule, and it's one of the more obscure ones. Uh, in terms of being able to actually find out anything about it. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say. Uh, what I've been told is that teams have to resubmit a new list each year. Uh, mm -hmm. So we definitely know that, um, you know, this is something that is it's not really that uh, um, transparent. Uh, I believe there's a lot of the league's shenanigans coming through this particular process. Uh, we saw uh, we saw Chicago have the discovery rights to I don't know how many you know highly sought after players right in a row that didn't end up in Chicago and ended up getting uh, traded uh, you know that spot traded to the number two team several times in a row for money. So like Chicago bided their time and made made a lot of of ground up just by trading the number one spot for the number two spot uh, yep. and, and not just in discovery, but also in allocation. So it wasn't just one thing. It was, it was a multiple thing. So Chicago made uh, a meal out of that. So uh, then again, like what I said about Atlanta, I, I don't see how it's possible that the players that they landed weren't on other discovery lists and you never heard of any trades uh, for those discovery rights. So I think that there's a lot of shenanigans that go by the wayside because Either A, a really, really top player wants to be on a specific team, or B, mm -hmm. the league thinks it's in the, the league's best interest if the player goes where they want him to go. Uh, I think that that happens a lot. Uh, so yeah. It's, it's really hard to say what the actual rules are because I'm, I mean, I'm, even if you just Google them, you don't really you don't really get a whole lot out of that. Um, but there's a, you know, my feeling on the whole thing is that here's what I know. When I interviewed Paul McDonough before he, he left Orlando city and, and ended up subsequently at Atlanta, he said uh, that Chicharito Hernandez was on Orlando city's discovery list and would be forever because they planned on continuing to put his name down. I was told this year by multiple sources that Chicharito is not part of the discovery process any longer and cannot be put on a discovery list. Hmm. So I have been so told this by knows? I've been told this by <laughs> by multiple sources in the media and and within the league, and <laughs> you know unfortunately nobody wants to to say who they are on the record, but I can tell you that that is crap. If, you know, if he was eligible to be selected previously, why mm. did that change? Because he wants to go to L.A. and because L.A. wants him and because, oh, yeah, the Galaxy get everything they want. Or, you know, maybe LAFC right. will be the new the new darlings The the L.A. teams seem to get what they want. Right. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it always happened for the Galaxy before. And maybe that's going to happen with LAFC. I don't know. It's a little too early to say. But, uh, yeah, it's. Unless I've been given bad information from a variety of sources that should know this stuff, uh, which I think that it's highly unlikely 
I think at least one of those sources would have said, uh, no, he's totally eligible for discovery. But every single one of them said, no, he's not on anybody's list. He's not eligible for that list or whatever that means. So it is a – put it this way, MLS going to MLS, and I guess that's the best way I can answer (laughs) that question. (laughs) So – and – I have absolutely nothing to add to that since I had no time to research any of it other than to say maybe a little more transparency would be good for the league. I know they won't do it, but yeah, it I, might be nice for the I rest of us. I think they definitely should print uh, or should publish the discovery uh, lists at the beginning of the year. Yep. I mean, what is what would be wrong with that? What's the harm? Can you think of a downside to that? I mean, think about let's obviously we haven't thought about this previously that much, but what, the, can the you, downside for for us or the teams? No, uh, can you think, nothing for MLS shenanigans cannot occur if, if you have the sunshine law going on and everybody can see everything. <laughs> well, that's the downside. Yeah. I mean, is, is that the only thing, though? Is there any other potential problem you could see from publishing all all the team's lists? Um, off the top of my head. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm an information person. So I, you know, if, if it's out there, you know, if, if we know salaries and we know who's got what and, you know, Tam and Gam and everything, then I don't know. I don't see a downside from having it printed other than backroom deals become harder. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's, there's really no way to, uh, to say, that there's anything wrong with, with printing that out. Now, discovery players, uh, you know, basically you get a paragraph and a couple bullet points on the MLS rules about this. Right. Special discovery players, uh, the total amount of the acquisition cost of a player is charged against the salary budget in the year in which it's paid. For one player in a club's roster, a special discovery player club is, is able to amortize the total amount of acquisitions. But it's, it's just a lot of blah, blah, blah. They must be 27 years old or younger during the league year under consideration, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's there's the, the, this, this, the mechanisms are screwy and a bit opaque. And again, if you don't get the lists, like this whole Quintero thing, nobody knew he was on Chicago's list. Nobody ever talked about Chicago. And then all of a sudden, Taylor Twelman says, yeah, if he's coming here, he's probably going to Chicago. And then somebody confirmed that he was on Chicago's list, and that's how it finally came out. So it was, you know, I mean, when you hear any anything in the in the league about a player is talking to uh, so and such and such a, a, an MLS team about coming uh, over from Europe to to play in MLS or South America or wherever they're coming from, you got to take it with a grain of salt because you don't know if he's on their list because nobody has those lists. There's there's no there's no transparency with those lists. So, you know, anything can happen. Oh, Neymar is coming, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and you know, and we in Orlando are very familiar with how many times we hear so-and-so is coming in, then nothing happens. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, I mean, I hate it. I hate the, this rule. It, to me, I, I call it the dibs rule because that's essentially what it is, is the team's calling dibs on a player. And it's, yep. there's – I mean, it has about as much um, – it makes about as much sense as calling shotgun when you're going someplace, really. It's what it comes to. Actually, it, it makes less. And it, yeah, that's no way to run a league. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, I, I hope that that answers your question. I really don't know that much about the discovery process, uh, and it's really not through a lack of trying to learn about it. Uh, our friends at Stumptown Footy wrote a very good uh, 
uh, and scathing um, article about it. Uh, see if I can pull that up so I can tell you when it was. Um, uh, they wrote discovery claims are an embarrassment to MLS. Uh, actually, this was as far back as 2013. Jeez. So, uh, yeah, they wrote that back in 2013. Uh, the discovery claims in, in this, you know, in MLS are just ridiculous. And um, it's it's really one of the real black eyes. I mean, when when Atlanta kept signing those players this, this offseason, that was the first thing that popped into my mind is where are they getting the rights to these players? They've got yep. to be on lists, mm-hmm. you know? Are you telling me that uh, Almiron wasn't on anyone's list? No one's before. Yeah. I mean, because because you know, obviously it, there might be some other weird mechanism where when an expansion team's involved because they got to come in and like everybody's on everybody's list. So you know, then they have to come up with a list of players that nobody has. Well, and, uh, and if that's a, if that's the case, that's fine. But what is that rule? What is that exemption? What just what is it? Let us know. Right. Do they get to like draft like an expansion draft of players off other people's lists? You know what this sounds like to me? This <sighs> sounds this sounds like a fantastic off season podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think we've already spent a crap load of time on it and we don't have any answers, so why don't we move on? I definitely want to thank everybody who wrote in and, and sent in uh, questions. I think I got to them all. If I didn't, please remind me. Um uh, what your question was, because maybe I just missed it, but uh, I, I think I got all of them. I, I it's hard to tell. Sometimes when the when they don't use the hashtag, I don't find them necessarily. They get lost, but usually I can find them. Uh, and I want to thank everybody again. You can hit us on Twitter at the mainland with uh, hashtag ask. TMLPC or email us the mainland at gmail.com. Send us your question about anything, and uh, we'll get to it. All right, Dave, before we get out of here, we got to talk about this Orlando City-Atlanta United game. Your key matchup, please, sir, and your score prediction. All right, so um, key matchup is going to be the Orlando City defense, and not just the back line, but also uh, the midfield. So uh, total team defense. Um, the Atlanta United has a, a potent attack, as we've mm-hmm. seen. And um, stifling that attack as much as possible is the way I think we stay in the game. Um, you know, and not a part of my key matchup. Obviously, we're going to have to score some goals where those goals are going to come from. Um, I think it's uh, I, I think one place will be if we are doing good defense and they are pressing forward as they are want to do if, um, you know, there's not many speedier guys in, in MLS than uh, one Carlos Rivas. Um, if he is able to make some runs and, and get behind the defense, he could be very dangerous for us. So uh, given all that key matchup is defense, especially the, the back end of the midfield and the back line. And of course, Joe Bendick, um, I'm going to go with a I'm going to be optimistic just because uh, I have to, given some of the local people I got to deal with. I'm going (laughs) with uh, a three two Orlando City win at home. And that's the key is at home um, on plenty of rest. um, And I think that that those factors are what allow us to pull out the win this Friday. 
All right. I definitely agree with Eric Quintana in terms of the key matchup. I think Miguel Almiron is the key. Uh, I think this could be a huge game for Christian Aguida if he uh, can, can get his stuff together. Yeah. Um, he's he's definitely had some tough games, um, but, uh, you know, he's a, he is definitely a guy that uh, would be able to, you know, boss the midfield a little bit if he can, could return to form. Um, I definitely think Al Marone is the key. Obviously, Antonio Nocherino is going to be a key factor in that as well, mm-hmm. if, you know, depending on, on how we line up. Don't know how we're going to line up just yet. So I, I think definitely stopping Al Marone is my key matchup. No matter who, you know, no matter who's in the lineup, that's that just has to happen because he if he's left with too much time and space, he's just going to pick pick the team apart because he's right. just that good. Um, I'm not convinced that this team has put all of its problems behind it, especially uh, without Kyle Lahren. The scoring problems probably aren't going to get any better this week. Uh, this isn't a team that's got a lot of backup scorers like the Pride have. Um, I, I just see this as a 2-1 Atlanta win, and I hate to say that, and I hate to, I would hate to predict a, a second straight loss at home, especially after the start the team had, but I just don't see where that offense is going to come from. I just don't, I don't know. I think maybe you can say uh, Kaká maybe nicks one finally, or maybe Rivas gets one on the counter. But it's, I think it's going to take more than one goal to beat this team, and I don't see where it's going to come from, you know, if I'm being honest. I, I gave a lot of thought – I was given a lot of thought to this today. And um, like, I, like I just said, I think Rivas, uh, uh, his speed can – I think he can get one out of that. I think you're right. Maybe Kaká uh, will be rested. Um, so maybe he's able to be a little bit more creative and, and create some chances for – uh, Orlando. And then the other thing that occurred to me, and it may or may not be possible given the amount of defense we'll have to play is, um, you know, we've had some success with uh, um, the the backs coming up and, and putting balls into the center. So, um, you know, uh, maybe it's a, a, a Sutter uh, a cross that uh, that comes in for Barnes or you know, something like that. So you know, there's I think there's opportunity there, even if it's not necessarily um, what we would hope or expect, or even you know a, a count on or bet on. But I, I, like I say, I gave so much thought to it because uh, I was trying very hard to go, okay, how can Orlando City win this game? Um, those were the three points of attack that I came up with. Um, if if they can manage any of that and maintain the defense, then uh, that's that's. I was trying to be optimistic this week, um, and that's where I was coming up with the 3-2. One thing other th- uh, also that we hadn't mentioned yet, and this last segment's a lot longer than I thought it would be, but we got on a little bit of a side rant. Um, I blame myself. Well, but you did all the, the talking on that, that side is, rant, yeah. Jason, Jason Christ has not yet been uh, disciplined for his remarks about the officiating uh, after the Toronto game and then again when he doubled down uh, after training uh, this past week. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if anything comes of that. Um, mm. One thing that Eric Quintana mentioned that we've seen is that uh, Atlanta has given up some set-piece goals this year. And Orlando City, I think, is among the leaders in set-piece goals this year. So it would be nice to get a few extra uh, goals off of some corners, off of some free kicks. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the officiating responds uh, this week to uh, to what uh, Jason Kreiss uh, said. Now, there's two ways this can go. Uh, 
there is there is the way that uh you know pro says uh you know what screw you you think you're not getting calls now wait you just wait Uh, and then there is uh you know i i there's been a lot of talk and uh, maybe we don't want to feed into that and then maybe he's uh, got getting in their heads a little bit and maybe they're going to give him some calls this time so there it'll be really interesting to me to see how this all plays out um you know, on the on the field in terms of who's getting calls, who's not getting calls. Uh, obviously, it kind of hurts. I think again, that's a, another way that it hurts not having Kyle Aaron because he is a guy who is big and strong, and if he gets brought down around the area, uh, yeah. that certainly is the kind of thing that can draw calls. And and uh, and that was something that you know Jason Christ emphasized in his remarks is that this particular player is not maybe he's not a big name like Josie Altador, but he's certainly getting pulled he's down like, it like it. yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he's not getting the same treatment. So we won't see that same treatment, you know, with a Carlos Rivas up top and a Giles Barnes because it's just not it's just not the way it goes. Those are totally different types of players. So um, and Giles really doesn't have that quickness that, that Kyle has in terms of, of getting on the right side of a defender and forcing him to, to you know, put him in a bear hug. So right. I, I don't know that we're going to get to see the – you know, if there is a reward to reap, I don't think we're going to see it this week. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when Kyle Aaron comes back. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, still looking for that fine notice. <laughs> you know, this says <laughs> this says that he's uh, getting fined. But you know what? If they don't do anything, uh, that will even be a, a more interesting thing to me. If they don't discipline him for speaking out against the officiating, maybe they don't deem this as you know, specific uh, rips that were bad enough to, to be, you know, detrimental to the league. I don't know. It's, it's either. It's very interesting that we've heard nothing just a few, a few days before the game is when we've had a week off. If, if they don't say anything, it comes across whether they mean it or not, it comes across as tacit admission of him being right. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, but it's, it's, you know, you got to remember that it's not pro that is, finding him it's it's mls now you're right the mls would almost be implying that he's right in his assessment if they don't uh discipline him but uh you know there there are ways to criticize officials and get away with it and there are ways to to not and (laughs) maybe maybe this was not deemed you know you know severe enough to warrant that kind of thing i don't know I i don't believe that for a second we all heard what he said yeah i the thing is that the disciplinary committee stuff comes out on Thursday usually. So since uh, the league was in a gold cup break, that's when I would expect to see it. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's even possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility that it gets suspended. Uh, But I, I suspect a fine would be what happens. And incidentally, we get Jose Carlos Rivero uh, this Friday for the game. Oh, there we go. So he's, uh, He's also been one of those guys who's been a little bit card happy at times. Uh, although I can't say as I remember what our record is with him. Uh, but, you know. No, but this game's going to be chippy to start. Uh, yeah, it'll probably be chippy throughout. Um, I and mean, if I'm looking at Juan Carlos Rivero, uh, there was a 2 0 loss to Toronto in 2015 uh, that he officiated where he kind of let. Uh, he let Toronto take some quick free kicks. Um, there was a 1-0 win over D.C. United where he awarded a penalty uh, to Kaká, who I think scored on the rebound of his own penalty miss. 
so that was a, that would be one and one in 2015. Uh, and then also uh, he was the referee who sent off two players at Toronto in a five nil loss. Uh, so he's, he's definitely sent some Orlando city players off in the past. Um, so those three games all were shutouts. Two were losses to Toronto and one was a win over DC United. We give him in uh, 2016. Uh, let's see. Well, maybe he's a Canadian fan. And so it was for Toronto and he won't like Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure we, I don't think we had him in 2016. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm just kind of scanning, but I don't see him on my sheet for 2016 and, um, 2017. Uh, I don't recall having him. Oh, we did have him. We had him at Columbus in a two nil loss. So usually yep. when he refs, we get shut out. Well, that bodes well. Three of the four times. Uh, that he has called uh, Orlando City games. Orlando City has been shut out. Uh, of course, you know, he can't do anything about Justin Miram. Uh, I guess he could have sent off Justin Miram, <laughs> but he didn't. Um, that was the game uh, that you may remember. Jose Aja injured his hamstring in the first half. Um, Scott Sutter debuted in that game. Uh, it wasn't great, a great debut for Scott Sutter, but, you know, it was his first game. And uh, Servando Carrasco, Tommy Redding, uh, both got yellow cards in that game uh, for Orlando. So I mean, he's he's not he's not above showing some cards to the uh, to the old Lions. But uh, I don't know what we're going to see out of him on Friday. I just know that three out of the four times it's not been a good result. Uh, well, I'm going to go I'm going to go dumb and dumber here and go. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, he sent off Ramos and Winter in 2015. Uh, Orlando City had six cards on 13 fouls in that game. Uh, that's a lot of cards per foul. That's a higher average than you would normally see. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that Orlando City needs to not touch anybody <laughs> or say anything, any four-letter words or anything uh, this weekend with him on the uh, on the bench. Um, although he again he did give us a penalty, uh, which Kaká failed to score on, but did score on the rebound. So, uh, so I well, guess. and and or like you were saying, maybe Jason got in his head and he'll behave this time. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like to I would like to believe that that could happen, but you know who knows. All right, so we have definitely rambled long enough. Uh, we've got uh, a pretty big weekend ahead. Uh, we've got uh, actually starts tonight with the U.S. men's national team in the quarterfinals against El Salvador in the Gold Cup. They have to play better than they have been playing, or they will not be in the Gold Cup very much longer. Uh, they should be able to handle El Salvador, but then again, they should have been able to blast Martinique off the pitch, and that didn't happen. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, transpires tonight. Then, of course, uh, there's no OCB game this weekend, uh, but Orlando uh, City B will be playing. I'm sorry, no Orlando City B. Orlando City will play Atlanta on Friday at 7. Uh, the Pride are at Chicago at 3.30 on uh, Saturday. It's actually probably a 3.50 kickoff, 3.30 uh, pregame. Uh, and, of course, if uh, the U.S. goes through, they'll play uh, in the semis on Saturday probably Saturday night uh, and Canada, I believe plays in their quarterfinal. So you can watch Kyle Aaron. I believe that game is Thursday night. So there's a lot going on. Well, yeah. And we'll be back to cover all of it and let you know our weird thoughts about everything. And 
you know, hopefully you'll enjoy it. We'll be back next week to bring it all your way. And also we want to wish Anthony Pulis a happy birthday. He got the, he got the weekend off for his birthday. That was awfully nice of the USL to do that for him. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they took that into account when they were doing the scheduling. Absolutely. Let the guy go back to England or something. Uh, anyway, uh, that will do it for episode 95 of the podcast. Uh, please uh, give us your star ratings on iTunes uh, so that other people can find our show and uh, listen to it and enjoy it as much as you do, uh, or even less. And uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just babbling at this point. I'm very tired. Uh, again, uh, read our stuff at themainland.com on SB Nation. Uh, and, of course, uh, you can like us on Facebook and uh follow us on twitter at the mainland so that's all the ways you can uh, consume our product uh big uh thanks again to eric quintana of mouths of the south podcast and dirty south soccer we'll be back to break down orlando city atlanta united round one uh, next week same time same station and uh of course the pride as well and then we'll uh, look ahead uh, we'll have more Gold Cup coverage. Uh, we'll talk about the next Atlantic game. We'll talk about the uh, the Young Lions at Charleston. And, of course, the Tournament of Nations with many, many Pride players involved. Uh, so that's all coming your way next week. So, you know, you may as well just uh, set your podcast catcher to, uh, to catch us and uh, automatically download us every week. That's what I would recommend. But uh, for David Rowe, I am Michael Citro the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying, Go City!